This morning, as we close these meetings, we want to talk about counting the cost. What do you think of when you hear the term counting the cost? Anybody? Well, I can't hear you. <laughs> Sacrifice. What's that? Building something, okay. You know, I was thinking about Jesus just as we were kneeling there praying. Jesus counted the cost when he was there in the Garden of Gethsemane, sweating, as it were, great drops of blood. What was he, what was he counting? The devil was harassing his mind, trying to convince him, if you do this, you are going to so separate yourself from your Heavenly Father, there will be no hope for you. Can you imagine that? I believe we can. Not to the degree that Jesus, our Savior, met it, because he did it for the whole human race. But have you ever felt that way? You just feel like, you know... It's too hard. I might not be able to make it. Jesus counted the cost for us there in the garden that night. And he decided that whatever the cost was to himself, he would go through with drinking the cup. That's how Jesus counted the cost for us. Now he's asking us, are we willing to count the cost? Because... When we leave here today, is the battle over? In some ways, the battle just begins. And the question is, are we willing to count the cost and do what, it is, what God is asking us to do? He may be asking all of us a similar thing. One of the similar things is he's asking all of us to give him an unreserved surrender of ourselves. That's part of exchanging our filthy rags for his righteousness. But we're going to have individual things that God is calling us to count the cost. Are we willing? Are we going to be willing when we leave this place to really count the cost and go forward with the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, it says there in Luke, the 14th chapter, the 28th verse, For which of you... Intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it. It sounds like common sense, doesn't it? Who's going to start out building a house without first deciding if they're willing to go through with what it's going to cost, if they have sufficient to take us through? Can we do this without the Lord? This is part of counting the cost, brothers and sisters. It's realizing that we do not have it in ourselves to get to the finish line. When we start counting the cost, we'll figure that out, that we need Christ. One of the problems that I have found, and that I think many of you face, is that when you look at what is ahead of you, it seems sometimes overwhelming, right? Because when you look at, at what the Lord has laid before us, the burdens he's put on our hearts, and for each of us it may be a little different, we all have the same need, and that is to be fully surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. But our surrender may involve different aspects that become very individualized for, a, for 
person or for a family. But when we look at that, sometimes we can be overwhelmed with that and think, do I really want to make that choice? Do I really want to make that investment? Whatever that may be. I was thinking of the illustration of if you had a dollar bill and you could go to an investor and he says, for every dollar bill you give me, I'll give you a million dollar bills back. Would you like to invest? Would you like to invest? Yeah, I would. You know, knowing that they were really genuine articles and not a counterfeit, obviously. For every, every day we give Jesus. When you, when you look at it from this perspective, for every one day I'm willing to give my life fully to the Lord Jesus Christ. He has promised that he'll give more than a million in return, Right? So when we consider counting the cost, we have to be willing to look at it for the eternal results and not for what it looks like temporally. That makes a huge difference. Then it makes us desire to invest this day with God, to invest giving him my heart in that investment, counting the cost to surrender my heart to him so that I know he will, his promise to give great in return. We all want to build a strong relationship with God, don't we? That's why we made the effort to come here. And it's not just for you all, that's our desire too. And when you leave here and you face your trials, we leave here and we face our trials. We're not any different than you are. But we all have the same need and we all have the same Savior. And we're here because we want to build that strong relationship with God in our own life. We want that relationship to be built with God in our marriage. And we want that relationship to be built with God in our families and with our children. David says in Psalm 127, verse 1, Except who? The Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. And we've all tried to build without the Lord. So we're trying to get the boards measured and we cut the wrong size. They're either too short or too long. We can't get the angles right. The nails bend. I'm just looking at some of the basic things when you consider building something or building a home. Because we're laboring in vain. We are not working with the power of the master carpenter to build that home that spiritual home in our hearts and that spiritual home in our families. So this week, we've talked about many things that that involve our personal relationship with God. We've talked about parenting with a purpose in our families. We've talked about um, God's Word being our only sure guide, right? Whether we're parents or not, God's Word is the only thing that we can trust in. We've talked about ways that we can reach into the heart of our families, reach into the heart of our children. We've talked about the ABCs in parenting, but we need to talk about counting the cost. Are we willing to count the cost and take the little that we have, that's our will, and give it to God and make that investment for eternity? See what it comes down to for all of us is whether, whether when we leave here, we're willing 
to allow God to begin to work in us in the areas he's called us to. We're going to make choices. Every one of us is going to make choices when we leave here. Right? Christian or non-Christian, we're going to make choices when we leave here. So, are we going to choose, regardless of how it feels, regardless of how tired we are, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of the distractions, are we going to choose to do what God is asking us to do? It's a thrill to our hearts when, first of all, we do it. Amen. Secondly, it's a thrill when we hear the testimonies of the people that we've met over the years that are doing it and see the transformations in families. It's a thrill to our heart. The question is, will we decide, yes, I'm going to do it no matter the cost? There's no one else that can decide that for us. We have to decide if we're going to do it. And we want to talk about a few of those ways that we believe we have to count the cost. It may sound a bit repetitious to you, but for me it is not. One of the hardest areas that I find is counting the cost to take time for God in His Word every day. Does that surprise any of you? I mean, doesn't that just come natural for me? It comes natural in my heart to want to take time in God's Word, but do you think that I ever have to struggle with taking time in God's Word? Can you say amen to that? (laughs) Yes. I have the same struggle that you have, and I believe in God's Word with all of my heart, and I have found the practical answers in God's Word to things that I didn't know it was possible to, and yet I still struggle to make the decision because sometimes I am so dead tired that I don't feel like it. You ever feel that way? You think the devil likes us spending time in God's Word? You know, I have one of those little... PDA things. Instead of my old day timer that I used to use. Never, I never really thought I'd ever do that. <laughs> but I have to tell you, it's been great. You know what it says on my PDA in big, bold letters? It's the biggest letters that you can make on that thing to write in. You know what it says on the first position of my PDA? Anybody want to guess? I heard, I heard some, I just couldn't pick out what it was. <laughs> okay? Yes. Seek ye first the kingdom. Amen. That's what it says in block letters. That's what's on my schedule. Seek ye first the kingdom. And it doesn't matter what the circumstances, what the situation, the Lord reminds me that that is my first work if I want to be a real Christian today. Forget about yesterday. Yesterday was a glorious Sabbath. I hope it was for, for you as well. Yesterday was a rich Sabbath for my soul. It was a great feast in the grace of God. But that's gone. Today is a new day. Do I need to carve out time for God today? Or can I live off the feast of yesterday? 
that is the real issue for me is will I take time not only will I take time in God's word but will I allow God to make it practical for me does that make a difference so that it's real so that God's word comes alive so that God's word is a transforming power in my life as a parent a transforming power in my life as a husband and as a Christian man do you need that power it's not enough for us just to read something in the Bible and say okay did that I can move on with life this is a part of connecting us with the power of God to live this Christian experience. Jesus asked us this question in Mark chapter 8 and verse 36. For what shall it profit us? Because I like to read it in first person, right? A man is somebody out there. When I say, what will it profit me or what will it profit you? What will it profit us? Makes it more personal, doesn't it? What will it profit us? us if we shall gain the whole world and lose our own soul what shall it profit us if we shall gain the whole world and lose our children are we willing to count the cost are we willing to allow God to have us morning by morning day by day coming to him taking time with him to be encouraged to to get direction for the day to enter into a disposition that will carry us into the day with an, a desire to honor him, a disposition to honor God, so that when we face temptation, we don't try to struggle with what I'm facing, but I think about, and this is becoming more my experience, I want to honor the Lord. And then the temptation isn't so intense. It makes it seem insignificant, because we can train our thoughts, we can train our minds to say, God first, is will this honor my Lord? So taking time with God every day is something every one of us needs. And it doesn't come natural, it is a choice. The second area that we found in our home of counting the cost is taking time for each other. Does this sound repetitious? I mean, maybe some of you have been to this camp now for five years in a row. Are you hearing the same things? Yes. Now can I ask him a question? Sure. Don't raise your hands on this, unless you want to. The reason this is repetitious is because it's still a struggle for you to take time, isn't it? It's still has to be a conscious decision, doesn't it? So, if I need to be reminded of this, and I'm going around doing this at six or seven camp meetings with my wife, do you need to be reminded of it? And I want to challenge you, just like God challenges me, and you know, those of you that know us, know that we don't challenge you in anything that we're not personally challenged in. Okay? Is that fair enough? This is not armchair philosophy. I make time for my wife. And I make time for my children. And it's not because I have a lot of extra time. You understand what I'm saying? That's counting the cost, brothers and sisters. 
I could be busy constantly just ministering to other people. I don't think I had five minutes to myself yesterday on the Sabbath after I had my quiet time with the Lord. Once I opened the door of my room and we had staff worship, I don't think I had five minutes of time alone until... I won't tell you what time I went to to bed last (laughs) night. Okay? Now, when I say that, I love what God has allowed me to participate in in encouraging my brothers and sisters to walk with the Lord. There's nothing in this world I'd rather do. But all I'm saying to you is it's not because I have a lot of extra idle time to just, just allocate to all kinds of things with my wife and my children. I make time because I have found if I don't make time, nobody will do it for me. And if I don't make time, I will lose the intimate relationship with my wife. I will lose the closeness of communication. I will lose the ability to sit down with my son and go deep in five minutes. I don't want to lose that. I've counted the cost. And the cost to carve out that time is worth all the blessings that come in the family. So I'm not asking you to do anything that we are not committed to ourselves. I am almost pleading with you to do it. Please, will you do it? Jesus is coming soon. There is not a more convenient season to begin to carve out time for our God, to carve out time for our marriage, to carve out time for these precious children that God has given us. Time is fleeting. We have a precious privilege and opportunity to count the cost. When we leave this camp meeting, please go with God. And do not let the circumstances of life that will always be there and will increase with intensity drive you away from your God and from your wife or your husband and your children. Carve out the time, even if you have to say no when it is uncomfortable. Do you know that I had to say no to a dear friend this morning? Right here at this camp. It almost breaks my heart because I asked God and I hadn't had my time with God yet. And the Lord said, you need to count the Because if you leave me, you won't have anything to give him. And I had to say no. Is that personal, brothers and sisters? I will give and give and give until my God says no. Because if you give when you have not had what I can give you, you're giving too much. And you won't be giving what you need to give. Is that hard? That happened this morning. And it's going to happen to you. Maybe not in the same, the same setting. But what shall it profit us if we deal with everybody else's calls out there in our worldly businesses and our, our church responsibilities? And please don't go away from here saying, I don't want you to be involved in church. People have said that. 
That's not what I'm saying. And if you're honest in your heart, you know that's not what I'm saying. You ask my pastor how I get involved in my church. Okay? I'm saying, don't get involved in all those things at the cost of time with God, of a relationship that's deep with your spouse, and time to nurture your children as the most precious souls you want to see enter the kingdom of God. Let's count the cost. Some of us find ourselves consumed by our circumstances when we get home. And we think that tomorrow it will be different. Tomorrow I will. I'll begin tomorrow. You know, I love going back to the Word of God and finding there the lessons that God has for me today from the faithful before. The lessons of the faithful that went ahead of us. When I think of the family and a family in Scripture that counted the cost, more precious than anything was their children to know that they could nurture and raise those children for God. I think of Amram and Jochebed. Was there pressure on them? You know who they are, right? Whose parents were they? Moses' parents. Moses came into the world... He came into that family at a time when little boys were not allowed to be born. Because if a boy child was born, a male child was born, it was certain death. Not a very good time to be coming into life, is it? But they counted the cost. They counted the cost that their son was more precious to them than the fear of the Pharaoh. Amen. And so, diligently... Faithfully, what did they do first? They sought their heavenly father. They sought their heavenly father for wisdom how to save the life of their child. Do we need that same wisdom? Amen. Are we any less in need of saving our children? No. Only through the power of Jesus Christ. We cannot save our children on our own. But they sought him, and they, they followed his promptings. They followed his leading in their lives, and they were willing to risk their own life to save the life of that child. They counted the cost. And it was a pretty serious cost, wasn't it? God honored that decision. God blessed their home. And not only did they spare the life of their child, but that God gave that child back to them for a period of 12 years. Then they only had 12 years to prepare that child for his life ahead in the most powerful nation in the world to be the next ruling monarch in a heathen land that was godless and God-defying. Pretty, pretty big responsibility, wasn't it? And they counted the cost. Day by day, I can envision the mother sitting with her little boy, Moses, working diligently with his character, training him in habits that would be habits that would take him through his life, habits of obedience, habits of usefulness, habits of cheerfulness, habits of industry, habits of depending upon his heavenly father 12 years 
she counted the cost. And I'm thankful that all that she invested in her son, God multiplied the results. And Moses became the deliverer of God's people. Mary counted the cost. She was an unwed mother coming in to uh, raise the Christ, the Savior of the world. Of course, she got married, but it was not her husband's child. It was God the Father's child. She counted the cost to be ridiculed, to be maybe defamed. Was that humiliating? But she invested in him, even without the understanding of his mission. We need to count the cost in raising our children for the kingdom of God. You know, I want to just talk to the, to the men for a moment. And you ladies, it applies to you as well. But sometimes we can be so involved in good things and not necessarily bad things. I mean... I hope that the Holy Spirit would be working on our hearts that we would recognize the bad things. But, you know, I came to realize as I started counting the cost that I was taking on way too much responsibility in my job that I didn't need to. And I was taking on every responsibility I was asked to in the church because other people didn't want to. Even though it was a 1,200-member church, it seemed like my wife and I were taking so many jobs because other people didn't want to do it. We were willing. And part of counting the cost was learning how to say no when God said no. And so when the nominating committee called, we had already made a decision with the Lord that we have no more time to add to our day, 24 hours. And our days are already full. So the next time we get asked to do anything, we're going to consider where we're going to subtract the time out of our day. And man, I want, you, I want to challenge you on this today. You think about this. Next time the nominating committee called, I said this to the nominating committee. Instead of my usual, <laughs> yes, without thinking about it, without praying about it, I said, let me tell you the commitment that I made to God and to my wife. And this is the commitment that I made. Before I say yes to an outside responsibility. Again, I'm going to determine where the time will come for that commitment to do it as unto the Lord. If my life is already full, then I have to decide, and I'm going to decide this with the Lord and with my wife, where will we subtract? So we don't get any more extra hours, right? Okay, so, you know what I found out? Very eye-opening. The only places I was comfortable subtracting was out of my time with God, because he understands, right? I mean, God knows all things. So if I don't have time for God, he'll understand. I didn't understand. I didn't understand. You can't subtract from God. But I began to understand. Well, in my wife, I can subtract time from her. I mean, I'm, I'm with her all the time, right? She's my wife. Be shocked, man, if you realized how little time you really spend with your wife. And so I said, I will talk to the Lord and talk to my wife, and I will decide where I'm willing to subtract to add this responsibility that you're asking me to do, and I'll let you know in a couple of days. 
And when I called them back in a couple of days, I said, no, I'm sorry, I won't be able to take it. And that's when I started being misunderstood in my church. Okay? And I got misunderstood in my work because I made the same commitment at work and I had the opportunity of my employment career when the president of the hospital in a leadership council said to me that he wanted me to be on the executive committee. And that was a few days after we made this commitment. Can you imagine what went through my mind? There was a room full of people. All the leadership people in the hospital were there. And he pointed to me and he invited me to be on the executive committee of the hospital. You know how envious that made people? It used to make me wish I could be, right? Now I've made this commitment to God and to my wife, and there I was. And you know what the Lord prompted me to do? What do you think? Say no. Gracefully decline. And I did, right there in that meeting. And you know? With explanation. I shared, very briefly. Do you know what he said to me in front of all these people? He said, don't think I'll ever ask you again. Because I embarrassed him. Okay? I didn't say anything. But you know I had peace in my heart? And some, some quiet Nicodemuses came to me later, not in the night, but when nobody else was looking, came to my office at the hospital and said, I respect you for what you did. Are we willing to count the cost? I remember being on my knees thinking, I don't have anywhere else to gain time. You see, I wanted to gain time to have time with God, quit cutting God out have time for my wife and children. I said, I don't have anywhere else to cut, Lord. I still feel I need more. And the Lord reminded me about my sports. I was the team chaplain. Did you hear that? Chaplain. When the Lord brought that to my heart, you know what I said? They need me, Lord. You know, I pray. I pray for the team before we play. That we'll win. That, <laughs> oh. <laughs> They need me. That's self, right? The Lord brought that right to my heart. Because the reality of it was, and I didn't see this then like I saw it a little later down the track, but it feels really good to be out there and if you do a good job, it feels really good, doesn't it, men? I mean, it happens for women, too, in maybe different ways. But it feels really good, you know, to hit a home run, doesn't it? You know, or... I mean, all that stuff feels really good to, to sell. And I remember the day that I gave that up. It took me about one week to work through the withdrawal, if you understand what I mean by that, if you're really a sports enthusiast. But I tell you what. What I gained with my wife and my children, I never looked back. Never looked back. And I'd ask any man here to trade those competitive sports and the time you spend in them and start riding your bicycle with your sons, your daughters. Get a canoe. 
go out and do things that you can do together that draws the hearts together and communicates together. Go out and play catch. Go out and throw a frisbee. But it's communication. Do it to redeem your family. And God will bless you. Are you willing to count the cost? You know, I've had men come up to me and say, I'm not a workaholic. I'm not a sports enthusiast. I'm not overworked in my church. I said, well, what do you do? What I, I found out with some men is they're just plain lazy. Okay? And that, there is no excuse for that either. God can change that. You don't have to be so laid back that you don't do anything, men. You can be a new man in Christ Jesus. You can be a changed man. I remember one of my classmates that I graduated. She found out about one of these camp meetings one year. She heard about it, and she said, this cannot be the same Tom Waters that I went to school with. You know, it just must be another Tom Waters. And what a blessing to be able to re, become reacquainted and be able to share the practical power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. There's life-changing power in the gospel, men, especially for the things men struggle with, the ego things we struggle with, I tell you, God can change us if we will cooperate with God. Are you willing to count the cost? It's worth it. The lies of the devil are lies, and the way of the Lord is light and truth. I get excited about that. I know you do. (laughs) I do too. (laughs) Challenge you like we challenged ourselves. Take 30 minutes. You, you take 30 minutes. You don't, have an extra, you don't have 24 and a half hours in a day, so you're going to have to work within your 24 given. But you take an extra 30 minutes a day with your wife or your husband, and you take an extra 30 minutes a day for your family, for your children, and you count the cost where you need to cut it. It may not be in any of these areas, and sometimes these areas that are illustrated may be some of those big ones, but they, they don't really affect our day-to-day-to-day life. But we're filling up our days, our moments, our minutes, every day with day-to-day-to-day stuff. We need to evaluate what's occupying our time. And take 30 minutes. Say, this I'm going to give to my family. So maybe you don't read that professional journal. If you are in some kind of occupation that you receive a professional journal monthly, you're not reading that a couple of nights a week, learning the latest technology or the latest procedure. You're going to take that time away from your education to reinvest it in your family? Well, don't I have to stay abreast of technology and, and, and stay on top of the changes in my field? Yes, you do. But not at the expense of your own family. Amen. Because your occupation is going to end. And if you trade your occupation for your family, they're both going to end. But if you give your occupation to the Lord and you give your family to the Lord, you can eventually lose your occupation, but you can have an eternity with your family. And then we count the cost and it's like one to a million. There's no comparison. That's what we must keep in our vision.
So we talked about counting the cost and taking time for communion with God and His Word every day. We talked about counting the cost to take time for my wife and my children. Now let's talk about counting the cost to create an environment that's conducive to eternal life. Okay? Now, you might think immediately when I say that that I'm going to start talking about living in the country, right? What do you think? I'd love for all of you to live in the country, but I'm realistic enough to know that not everybody's going to end up living in the country. So does that mean that environment is limited to living in the country? No. No. You know, I talk with, and Elaine talked with so many people that are dealing with their environment and they don't even know it. Right where we are is where God wants to deal with us. Okay? Let me tell you what I mean by environment. What are these things that go on young people's heads? These soft things that go over their ears and they clip them on their belt? What do they call those things? Walkman? Okay. What are they hearing in there? Do you know? Do you know what your young people are hearing in there? If you do, praise the Lord if it's the right stuff. If you don't, you better start tuning in. Because we get calls from people heartbroken because they find out what they didn't know was being listened to in these things. That's environment, brothers and sisters. And you may think, you may live in a beautiful country environment. You may live in the most pristine location. But if those things that are going into your young people's ears are destroying their mind, the environment around them is not doing them any good. If you don't know what your young person is listening to and what they're looking at on the internet, okay? And here you thought they were just doing their online school. And you find out that they're getting educated in something you never wanted them to be educated in. Why? Because you didn't know how to deal or weren't conscious of the environment that they're living in. The environment is much more than just whether we have nice trees around us. Are you going to count the cost to create a safe refuge for your family? You can do it right where you are. And the first way that that happens is demonstrating to your young people that you love them enough, that you're willing to count the cost enough that you'll do whatever to be their companion, like we talked about the other day. That you care enough about them that you will trade in some of their time on the computer, some of their time with the headset. You'll trade that in for time with dad alone with them to show them how much you're interested in their life. Some of you would be shocked, and I, I want to encourage you to, to consider doing this. Evaluate in your typical week, fathers, mothers, evaluate honestly how much time do you spend communicating with your son, your daughter. You know, even though Josiah is now at Westwind School of Aeronautics, we take time to communicate with him. I mean, the other night, in order to talk to him, it had to be late here. Do you know what that means to him, that we'll take that time for him? We'll take it for everybody else, right? Right? We'll take it for everybody else. We'll take it for every squeaky wheel. 
We'll, take, we'll answer the phone for every call that comes in. We'll jump at every beckoning. But will we show our young people, I have time for you? Even though it ends up being 11 o'clock at night here. Is it worth it? We need to count the cost, brothers and sisters. I'm not advocating staying up to 11 o'clock at night. That's not what we do at home. But that happens at camp meetings, okay? But I'm, I'm talking about counting the cost and demonstrate to our young people that we care enough for them that we're willing to create an environment for them that will be a refuge. Evaluate what you consider to be the most important environment to raise your children spiritually, to give them every advantage for spiritual growth and nurturing, to give them every advantage to develop a relationship with their Savior, Jesus Christ. And then do everything you can to accomplish that environment. So mm -hmm. it may mean that you need to move from where you are. That's right. We start where we are, we create the environment the best we can there, and it may mean that the Lord will take us to the next step. Don't wait until you get to what you call your dream home where you think that life is just going to be easy from here on out because we live isolated. It doesn't work that way. The, the greatest impact in our young people's environment is the parents' attitudes. Our conduct. Amen. It's part of creating their environment. That means we have to be willing to stand before the mirror with the word of God and let the Holy Spirit do some cleaning of the house to create that environment. Amen. We can have the perfect setting. We can, you know, take away the, the video games and take the TV out of the house and cut the internet. But if we have sour dispositions, and impatience with our children. If they sense they are a burden to us and that they're disappointing to us and we feel helpless and hopeless, who would want to live in that kind of environment? And how will that environment nurture them to want to be a part of the family of God when what they see in the family of God is how their parents are? So that environment has to deal with our own influence in the home yeah. as well. Create the best environment. That means we're willing to allow God to change our hearts. We're, we're willing to allow God to change what's in our homes. And we're willing to allow God to change where our homes are located to create the best nurturing environment for our children. And you know what? It's going to be the best environment for us as adults as well. Yeah. Let's look at the lessons Again, from the scripture, a lesson of the faithful. Who was the Bible character that evaluated? He counted the cost and was willing to change his environment for the sake of his family. Abraham. Abraham comes to mind. These lessons are there, not because they're good stories, but because they have powerful lessons. The faithful that went before us of the principles that help us to develop godly, Christ-like families. And we know that Abraham, we're told, had commanded his household after him and that they followed the ways of God. 
because of his leadership in the home. And he was willing to make that environment change. And I can imagine that that change first started in Abraham's heart. Then it started in the environment in which he lived, amongst his kinsmen. And then God said, Abraham, I want you to move your family. Move your family. And I want you to take your family, and I want you to move them to a different location. And he didn't even have a dress where he was going. That's kind of scary, isn't it? We don't recommend that. But Abraham was a man of faith, of, of trust. He knew God was leading him. And he was willing to pack his household, all of his servants, all his possessions, and he was willing to start heading out and follow God's direction day after day after day until God said, Abraham, this is the spot. Amen. Powerful lesson of the faithful. He counted the cost, didn't he? He left the, the environment of his parents' home and this kinsman and all the idolatry that was happening there, the worldliness, and he was willing to place his family in a quiet country location that God picked for him, and there he nurtured them. The process started before he left, but it was completed in the new location. It's a beautiful lesson, a powerful encouragement to us as parents to count the cost, creating that environment that is most conducive to the spiritual well-being of our families. So the question that we have to face, each one of us, is suppose you find the environment that you're in is not conducive to the growth that God is calling you to. Say that you find that you can't handle the influence of your neighbors. Say that you find that every time the neighbor children come over and knock on the door, it's stressful for you and you can't say no and your children are deteriorating. Say that you can't handle the pressures that are going on with the associations that your young people are having. What are you going to do? Say that you can't slow down the job requirements and they keep being more and more and more. There comes a point where we have to practically count the cost. That's why I left the suburbs of Chicago and ended up in the mountains of Montana. Because we counted the cost and we decided this is what God is asking us to do. Was it easy? Was it easy? It wasn't easy. And oh, how I thank God that he did not lay out the 18 years that would be in front of us when he said, go. Okay? Because you know what our minds naturally do? Focus on the negative. Get intimidated. That's very intimidating. Very intimidating. But you know, I would not trade this experience for anything. Because you cannot put a price on what God will do for you if you're willing to count the cost for Him. Those who honor me, I will honor. That's a promise from Amen. our God that will not fail. So if you find yourself in difficult circumstances, which every one of us do, count the cost. If you can't adjust your circumstances, if you can't work within those, if you see your family continue to, to deteriorate, then you must do what every honest-hearted Christian must do. You must say, 
Lord, what do you want me to do from here? Regardless of the apparent cost, you must be willing to go forward by faith if you're going to be successful. You know, some people find themselves in this situation, and tragically, I've seen too many who have said, I'm not going to give up my employment. I make too much money. I'm not going to move from this situation because it's too comfortable. They say, we'll ride it out. Our children will get through this. Other children do. Look at the other people. Yeah, they go through a rough time. But I want to tell you that that is a fallacy. We have watched families that say, we'll just ride it out. And you know where it rides out? It rides out into a premature marriage. It rides out into a 50-50 chance that that marriage will survive with today's statistics in the church. Okay? Is that what you mean by riding it out? We're just going to go with the flow because they'll grow up and they'll get on their own. Is that what you want? You want to see your children go into that with a 50% chance of success in marriage? You want to see your children bear children that become your grandchildren that are handicapped because of the philosophy that you've given to them? We need to count the cost, brothers and sisters. Heaven is cheap enough to count the cost. That's not a very good place to end, is it? Yes, it is. Heaven is cheap enough. <laughs> yes, that's right. I was still thinking about writing it out. <laughs> we want to give all to the Lord. Amen. Okay? And I want to encourage you today, if there's anybody here who has not given a wholehearted surrender to Jesus Christ, that's all he's asking for is all. Is all too much? It feels like it sometimes. But I want to tell you that the more of the all I give to my God, the more I say, why didn't I do it earlier? Amen. I am not afraid of surrender anymore. And I'm thankful to be able to say that to you. I wish I could say that I never held out on the Lord. I still do sometimes. But I know that when I am surrendered to Jesus Christ, it is the greatest experience that life affords us. And to be surrendered to him in the midst of trials, there's nothing like the peace to be kept by God. Are you willing to count the cost? The reward that God has for us, even though that is not our inducement, can it be a motivation? I have not seen or ear heard nor entered into the heart of man the things God has prepared for those who love him. Does God give us inducements? Yes. It's the life he wants us to have. He wishes above all things that we would prosper and be in health. Even as thy soul prospers, he said, don't believe the devil's lies. Because he's going to be lying to you. He'll be lying to some of you before you ever get your vehicles packed. He will. He'll be lying to some of you as you're going home. Because there's emotion that's involved. And you know, God gave us emotion just like he gave us taste buds, right? And the devil will try to come in and say, ah, oh, that's, that's too, too much. Don't listen to those lies. Go forward by faith. 
God will sustain us if we're willing to count the cost. And he will bring us off more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And brothers and sisters, when we enter the gates of heaven and hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant, will we think the cost was too great? No. No. Let's walk by faith and not by sight. Let's walk by faith and not by circumstance. Let's walk by faith and not fear of what others will think. Let's walk by faith and learn to have silence that's golden when he asks us to keep our mouth shut. Let's walk by faith and enter in to the joy of our Lord. Amen. Let's count the cost. In closing, I'd like the girls to come up. Where are you girls? Are the girls here? There's one of my girls. <laughs> There's the other girl right back there. We want to sing a song about the God that we serve in closing. It's taken from Psalm 18, 30 to 33. time. Before we do, before we do, has family camp meeting been a blessing? Amen. You know, all you have to do to be at family camp meeting is get some funds together 
get in a vehicle or an aeroplane or whatever and get here. Okay, I know there's some other battles that go on as well. <laughs> but do we want to gather together on the sea of glass? You can't get there on an aeroplane. You can't drive there either. The only thing we can do, brothers and sisters, to be in the heavenly kingdom is to accept what Christ has done for us and respond back by giving 100% of ourselves to him. And I know as the messages have gone over this week that some of you, I've spoken to you personally and you know who you are, some of you are this far from the first time giving 100% of your heart to Christ. If that is you, or if you want to recommit yourself to Christ, would you kneel with us in closing prayer? Father in heaven, we thank you for the blessings of being here. Father, it's not this room that has been the blessing. It's not the speakers that have been the blessing. It has been you, Father. It's been your word, your spirit, your callings. Father, thank you for the families that you've given us. Thank you for the life that you've given us. And we look forward to that life to come. And Father, we know it can start now. And so for those in our congregation, myself included, who want to recommit ourselves 100% to you, or maybe for those who have never had the courage to do that, I pray in the privacy and in the secret chambers of our own heart that we would do that now. That we might go from this place not with a head full of knowledge, but a heart full of desire. So, Father, thank you again for your graciousness and your mercy to us sinners. We commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.